Musanta la Bashanta Aria, Ruskere Bashanti Libosha, Miusin Tiribosha Talamama, Reke Rusalanda Hia Shanta, Reke Landa Hia Sanduria Rababashanta, Reke Lama Marundi Rebosa Rababashita, Gloria Kaikalaiki Duria Skanda, Father, we have gathered in your presence, Mashete Rebosa Rababashita, we have come to sit at your feet, Marababashita. Oh Lord, teach us. Oh Lord, nourish us. Refine us with your word. Wash us with your word. We have come to eat, oh Lord, of your bread and grow. We have come to take in your word and have eternal life. We have come to drink, oh Lord, from your fountain of living water. And be filled and satisfied. We have come to behold you, O Lord. Until we are one. We thank you, Father. We bless your name. We give you praise. We give you honor. O Lord, come and teach us. Oh Lord, speak to us. Refine us. Oh Lord, we pray for treasures in this message. We pray for germs in this message. Oh Lord, that we may be equipped, that we may grow, we may mature. That we may be refined. Our minds will be renewed. Until we are one. Until we become your very image. As we behold you, we become. Oh Lord, put me aside and speak to your people. May I decrease as you increase. May every word that comes out of my mouth be your very word. We pray for your people. Oh Lord, open their the eyes of their heart to understand your word i pray oh lord that their minds will be open to understand this these deep things of the word to understand your mysteries hidden in the word insight into this prophetic vision this prophetic letter that you gave to john to give to the church Kaika, Raika Lara Baba, Roko Sundere Bosara Baba Shaitan. And we pray that may this message go to the ends of the earth. May this message reach anyone that it has to reach in the mighty name of Jesus. May your word come with power. May your word come with come with fire may it impact may it nourish or may it build us up into a, a, a house may it make us immovable in the mighty name of jesus amen hallelujah Hallelujah. God bless you all for coming here today. 
so we are going to continue with the seven churches the letter to the seven churches in asia we had, last week we, we started with ephesus we did smyrna today we are going to continue with um pergamum church Thyatira, and hopefully say this hallelujah last week we said that the message to the seven churches from jesus christ found in the book of revelation has at least four applications and the application is that it refers to a local it has a local application to the specific cities and believers in the church so in those days it was specific to the churches in those days specifics and the second is that it has an application to all the churches of all generations every church in every generation all the seven letters are to the church and thirdly it has a prophetic application unveiling seven distinct phases of church history from the days of apostle john to until today so you can say maybe the church the first church the second church the third church these letters also represent a distinct phases of church history in every in every church phase in the world that came maybe in the time of maybe in the 1990s the church of the 1990s the church of the um, 21st century the distinct phases of the church history it has it has um, a message to them and the fourth that we are going to really be looking at today is that it has a personal application to individual believers who have ears to hear what the spirit is saying hallelujah we are the individual leaders and most of the letters ended with he who has ears should listen to what the spirit is saying so we are the individual believers and this message this letter also speaks to us individually so i say the same to you open your ears and listen to what the spirit is telling you to build you up in the mighty name of jesus amen so the first is the pergamum church and it says in revelation chapter 2 verse 12 revelation 2 verse 12 write the following to the messenger of the congregation in pergamum for these are the words of the one whose words pierce the hearts of men amen mashanti elo satan maron derebo sarababa shanta lezon lezon terebo shanta rialende hendo he karais keraba shanta in jesus name so the definition for pergamum is elevation or marry what does this tell the church today that the church has been elevated from being under the angels to being raised above them let's look at psalm 8 verse 5 so psalm 8 verse 5 psalm 8 verse 5 it says here that for thou has made him a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with glory and honor from the verse 4 it says what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and have crowned him with glory and honor amen so we can see here 
that because of our sin or because of the fall we were made a little lower than the angels and we see an elevation an elevation so the church has now been elevated from being under the angels to being raised above them and how are we raised above them by being in christ jesus jesus has authority over all so once we are in jesus we can say something like that hallelujah so the church has been elevated the church has been raised the church is married and we are elevated because of our marriage to christ our marriage to christ has elevated us scripture says that um jesus said when jesus was talking about marriage and divorce in the book of matthew he said that if you sleep with a prostitute you become one with the prostitute so anyone that you have let's say sexual intercourse or something with you become one with the person in spirit so if you get married to someone you become one with the person so said the two shall become one the two shall become one so when we the church we are the bride of christ as we 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 we, when we are married to christ or being married to christ we become one with christ so literally whatever is his is ours (laughs) that's how come he took upon our burdens and we also take upon his burdens by accomplishing what he has already started on the earth so we are one with christ and as believers as we are married with christ we are able to enjoy his inheritance we are able to enjoy what he has his authority so when we we say something we say in the name of jesus whatever we do we do it in the name of jesus because we are married to him so we speak in his name we speak as people who are one with christ christ is in us and we are in him so the devil cannot do anything to us why because we are in christ we are hidden in christ we are one with Christ. When they see us, they have to see Christ because spiritually we are one. Hallelujah. Let's look at the revelation of Jesus to the church of Pergamum. It says here in Revelation chapter 2 verse 12 that for these are the words of the one whose words pierce the hearts of men. Jesus revealed himself as the word of God. He revealed that the sword in his mouth is also a sword of judgment. Hallelujah. That his, the sword in his mouth, the words in his mouth, is able to pierce the hearts of men. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17. Ephesians 6 verse 17. Ephesians 6 17 and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is what the word of God hallelujah these are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword in his mouth is the sharp double-edged sword our words are powerful when they are in christ because christ's words are powerful scripture said death and life lies in the power of the tongue it's talking about the words words are powerful hallelujah so jesus revealed himself as the word of god 
that whatever he says whatever he speaks it's a, it's a word and the word is powerful it's able to you know divide the soul and the spirit is able to pierce the bone and the marrow to judge the attitude and the attributes of the heart the word of god is so powerful i remember there was a time when i was i think i was something happened i was just there i just started feeling sad or i was thinking about something but it was as if it was like despair or insecurity and when that things um that things i started feeling it i slept I slept thinking oh I'm okay but then when I woke up in the middle of the night and it was still worrying me and I realized that this is not just something that you just rebuke because I rebuked it and I thought I was okay and I slept I realized that this a stronghold that has been you know the seed has been planted and it has been watered and it's a stronghold deep deep in my soul this can't be my spirit because my spirit is renewed and I had to uproot it but how do I uproot that stronghold in my life so i started I, I, I felt led by the spirit to listen to a sermon and the sermon was talking about exactly what i was feeling exactly what was happening and as i began to listen to the sermon i felt fear and fear and fear so the sermon literally went deep into my soul and the word of god was able to uproot the lies of the enemy that has been sown into my soul so scripture says our minds are renewed the word is to wash us away to wash all the death all the fields the lies and deceptions of the enemy and renew us and plant implant the word of god in our lives hallelujah so the word of god is powerful jesus is powerful he is powerful his words are like a sharp double-edged sword amen so the church of Pergamon, let's continue. Revelations 2 verse 13. I know where you live, where Satan sits enthroned, yet you still cling faithfully to the power of my name. You did not deny your faith in me. Even the, in the days of my faithful martyr, Antipas, who was executed in your city where Satan lives. So the church of Pergamon, let's go. Um, a little backstory to the Church of Pergamon. The Church of Pergamon was the center of Roman Emperor worship, and those in power demanded allegiance to worshiping a god-like emperor. There was a large throne-like altar built on a cliff that overlooked the city. It was for the Greek god Zeus. It may be one reason John refers to the area as Satan's throne. So, these people were literally worshipping a human being. They were worshipping gods. Because I say a human being because they were worshipping the emperor who was a human being. And they were also worshipping gods. That is you no know, Greek mythology and stuff. They were worshipping these gods, Zeus and what have you. So, these people were worshipping gods and all that. But there was a church there. And the church that was in Pergamon where their believers you know going to i'm sure going to church and all those things they were not maybe um, involved they were not really maybe they were not really involved in worshiping the gods or um, worshiping the emperor but there were certain things that they did 
that they did that did displease the lord so jesus said i know where you live where satan sits and throne. yes you cling faithfully to the power of my name you did not deny your faith in me even in the days of my faithful martyr antipas who was executed in your city where satan lives so yeah they were there they were not worshiping were not involved in the worship of satan they were not involved in the worship of other gods yet still jesus had something against them so let's see it says here in verse 14 nevertheless i have a few things against you and we will see because these people they were in a city where it wasn't even ruled there and there was serious persecution against believers but they still held on to the word of god so these are people in the most darkest of places the church of pergamon refers to people in the most darkest of places where christianity is difficult to practice in public but they still hold on to the word of god they are in a community which worship demons they are in a community which had human worship but they still cling tightly to the word of god so we can say like these people could be maybe the church in china the underground church in china the underground church in the middle east in in maybe iran or in saudi arabia the underground church in these places where it is not um you can't practice christianity in public you have to do it underground they have been seriously being persecuted by holding on to the word of god they are in the most darkest of places but they are holding on to the word of God. Who was Antipas? Jesus mentioned someone, a faithful martyr. Who was Antipas? Let's look at who Antipas was. Antipas was the bishop of Pergamon during the reign of Roman Emperor Nero. In other historians say Domitian. So we can say that Antipas was the bishop of Pergamon during the reign of these two people. Domitian and Nero said Antipas was mated during the reign of Nero in 54 to 68 AD by burning in a brazen bull shaped altar for casting out demons worshipped by the local population. Antipas was literally doing a good thing, but people persecuted him. So we say these are believers that are doing good things. They are serving God, but they are being persecuted. I quite remember there was a reel I saw about one woman in in one of the Arab countries, and she was. They were interviewing her because her husband has been was persecuted or murdered, and because of the faith that he believed it, and she could have cried. She could have curse god like we are serving god and this has happened but she was there boldly proclaiming that my husband i'm a wife of a mater my husband died a mater i am proud to be called a wife of a mater that i died for my faith wow i was like wow can we say the same thing that we would die for jesus can we say the same thing that jesus you died for me so i would die for you i would die for the faith she was happily saying it. Wow. These people are standing strong for God. They are standing boldly for God. I pray for us that may we also stand boldly for God. Like Antipas, may we stand boldly. Regardless of persecution. Regardless. May we stand boldly. If we face a little persecution, then we start complaining. 
that these are people that were in dark places facing serious persecution but they are boldly thanking God and boldly faithful and rejoicing wow somebody say mercy <laughs> mercy yes so Jesus said that nevertheless I have a few things against you that is Revelation 2 verse 14 he said there are some among you who hold to the teachings of Balaam who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to eat things that were sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality furthermore you have some who hold to the doctrines of the Nicolaitans Wow now let's look who is Balak and who is Balaam so we can find this in Numbers chapter 31 verse 16. Numbers 31 verse 16. Let's go there. Moshete rebose rebabashanta labasanta. Numbers 31 verse 16. Behold, Numbers 31 16. Behold, this caused the children of Israel through the council of Balaam to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of pure and there was a plague among the congregation of the lord now therefore kill every male among the little ones and kill every woman that had not had that had known man by lying with him wow so balaam was a prophet who was hired by balak and balak told balaam to go and prophesy to go and curse the people of Israel you know prophetic words are powerful and he was hired to go and curse Israel but what happened was that on his way to curse Israel his donkey wouldn't move his donkey wouldn't move he didn't understand and God opened the mouth of his donkey to speak and the, the donkey spoke like literally it amazes me that this in they, these people had some like he wasn't shocked that a donkey was speaking <laughs> that should tell you that they were living in some supernatural things like they encountered some things and his donkey spoke and he realized that there was an angel that was standing in front of him that's how come the donkey was not able to go and the donkey stopped and wouldn't move the angel appeared to him with a drawn sword and because of that he couldn't go and curse the people of Israel so he he did go he did go even with the angel even though the angel approached him with the drawn stories he, he did go he did when when he went whenever he tried to curse the people of Israel it turned into a blessing whenever he tried to curse it turned into a blessing because he couldn't curse the people and Balak got bored that why why won't you curse the people he, got, he was pissed he was upset but he said i can't i, I can only say what i hear <laughs> can you imagine what does this tell us this tells us as, as a believer once god has blessed you no one can curse you once god has blessed you no one can curse you no one can curse you you are blessed you are blessed you are blessed no one can curse. so don't believe the lie of anyone saying that they will curse you it won't work it won't work there was a time where we we believed in those things because of where we are coming from because of what we had been told and things and curses happening and 
you, no, no one can curse you because you are in Christ Jesus. No one can curse you. The enemy has no power. When Jesus triumphed over the cross, he stripped him of his power. No one can curse you. But what they do is that they just use tricks. The enemy just uses tricks. So after Balaam blessed Israel and couldn't curse it, he told Balak now to get the God of Israel angry with his people. So because he couldn't curse it, him, he gave him counsel that okay, let's allow the people to curse themselves. So what the devil does is that he can't curse you. He just makes you think he can curse you. And when you already think that way, then he will, you know, give you counsel to do, <laughs> to literally allow yourself to be cursed. That fear will open the door for you yourself to be cursed. Like you fearing the devil instead of you um, walking in the anointing, the blessing you have received. So it's just tricks that they use. So because they couldn't curse the people, they allowed the people to bring the curse upon themselves and according to the law when you break the law curses upon you there is a curse to anyone who breaks the law that is why when most of them broke the law there was a disease so when they see people with diseases they say oh maybe the parents sin or the family sin or the child sin there was a time in scripture where jesus was going to heal a blind man and the disciples said that who sinned and jesus said no this is for the glory of the lord they believed it because that was the norm that when you sin when you bring the law you will be cursed curse is anyone who breaks the law curse is anyone who doesn't go by the law in those days that was the law for them hallelujah so balaam knew the word they should tell you the devil knows the word he just twists it and uses straight so you also have to know the word when the devil approached Jesus in the wilderness, it was a word against word fight. He knew the word. He spoke the word, but he just twisted it. Okay, so the word says this, do this. And Jesus said no. And Jesus rebuked him with another word. So you have to know the word. Thanks be to God, school of the spirit. God is teaching us. God is nourishing us with the word. God is washing us with his word. If you don't know the word, that is when you fall victim to be prey of the enemy what the enemy is doing now is that he allows you to be ignorant in what you know to be ignorant so that you won't know more to be okay with salvation so that you won't go so that he can continue to deceive you so there are many believers there are many believers that are saved but yet are in bondage is it because god's word is not powerful no it is because they are ignorant and the enemy is just playing with them he has no power so right now what he needs to do is to just play tricks for you to give him the power that you have <laughs> whatever happens to you if you don't give the power to the enemy he can't do you anything or if let's say god doesn't allow it it's not happen but that doesn't mean god is a bad person sometimes God allows some things for your good to build your faith to help you grow to make you firm to make your your roots go deeper so the disciples were happy when they were persecuted Jesus said if I was persecuted how much more you yeah then you will persecute you in ways but then 
God allows us to build your faith. God allows it to to give you a reason to praise him the more, to help you to reveal a dimension of himself to you. Balaam gave Balak a very bad counsel to cause the people of Israel to bring the curse upon themselves since they couldn't do it head on. So the enemy doesn't attack you head on. He attacks you sideways so that you won't see it. <laughs> because when he knows you can't, he comes head on, he, he can't do anything. Or you will see it and just combat it. Yeah, so their plan was to get the Moabite to and to commit halachy with the men of Israel. This was against God. This displeased God and they knew it did. So they just wanted to get God angry. And they wanted to get the people to curse themselves so that a plague will come upon them. And we see here in Numbers 25. Let's look at Numbers 25 verse 1. Numbers 25 verse 1. said, And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. So their plan worked, and they committed whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods. And the people did eat and bow down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one his men that were joined unto Baal Peor. Wow. Wow. So what happened was their plan worked, as I said. And if Jesus said that if you, you know, you have sex with the prostitute or you sleep with someone, you become one with the person. So Israel joined itself with the Moabite women, when this, the men of Israel slept with the Moabite women, they became one with them. And we see here that they, the people called them to sacrifice unto their gods. So they also went to sacrifice unto their gods. And there is a thing that like, if you become one with someone, they are, the person's God becomes your God. In the book of Ruth, we see Ruth telling her mother-in-law, Naomi, that your God will be my God. Wherever you go, I will go. So when you get married to him, someone, you get married to their God. That is why it is it is not it's not advisable for a believer to marry an unbeliever. Because you are not just marrying the person, you are getting married to their ideologies, you are getting married to their belief systems and how they do things. How do you stay with someone that you don't have the same belief, you, have, you don't have the same ideologies with? So they became one with them they joined themselves to them the moabite women they self bow of pure or bow pure so they joined and they invited them and they also so in a sense they were committing adultery to god like we are married to god and we are you know sacrificing to someone else so they were committing adultery to god and they went to even they went ahead to even bow down to their gods they ate the sacrificial food they worship other gods and they bow down to god so it's like saying we are bowing down to god we bow down to god yes we have a god but also we are bowing down to the moabite women they are gods so that's adultery that's why god really detests adultery it is not really about the physical adultery but it's what it is telling god 
that I can serve you, God, but I can also serve um, another thing. It's others adultery. So the Moabite women to commit adultery with the men, and it happened. So that was the teaching of Balaam, a very bad counsel. And the meat offered to idols and sexual immorality in numbers 25 verse 2 we see that as i read the moabites invited the people of israel to the sacrifice of their gods in some it describes this act as they join themselves as i said they join themselves also to bow of pure and earth sacrifices made to the dead thus they provoked god to anger with their deeds and the plague broke out among them so they provoked god so what they were doing provoke god they were worshiping god all right but they had joined themselves to other god and you can't serve two masters they said in scripture you can't serve two masters so they provoked god to anger and the plague broke out because curse is anyone who breaks the laws when you break the law plague will break will break out and the plague broke out and most of them died yeah so that's psalm 106 verse 28 and 29 these meals were apparently funeral banquets in order in honor of their ancestors the dead so the dead are, as, are described as gods in first samuel chapter 28 verse 13 isaiah chapter 8 verse 19 the dead are described as gods and even in african traditional religion we can understand that when they are you know pouring libation or certain things they say to their ancestors to their nananum to their ancestors they are calling out their ancestors they are pouring libation and so in in a sense they are worshiping um the ancestors they see the ancestors as as gods and these things these things apparently these things are you worshiping other gods these things are you worshiping you committing adultery you so you can't say you are serving god and go and go to a shrine or go to a voodoo place and go and do something else that's adultery so god was provoked to anger by this god was provoked to anger so let's see what the the council of balaam did and with the nicolaitans i mentioned it in the other podcast i think in the church of smyrna or Ephesus, so you can just listen to the other podcast and get to know more about the Nicolaitan. So, what did Jesus tell them? Jesus told them in sec in Revelation 2, verse 16. So repent then, or I will come quickly to war against them with the sword of my mouth. So repent then, or I'll come quickly to war against them with the sword of my mouth. But the one whose heart is open, that's 17, let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is presently saying to all the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will let him feast on the hidden manna and give him a shining stone. And written upon the white stone is inscribed his new name, known only to the one who receives it. Marinda la mashanta, reke mosa da mamashanta, meronde le bosa rababasheta, reke masunte le bosa, rababashete le bosa rababashete, la mamasunte le bosa namba, ria rabababa, resunte le bosa la mamashanta, ia rabaseta. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, Jesus' judgment to those who hold on to the teaching of Balaam and to the Nicolaitans in Revelation 2, verse 14 to 15. 
Jesus tells them to repent. Otherwise, he will come and fight against them with the sword of his mouth. So Jesus came. Jesus revealed himself to the church of Pergamon as the word of God. That he has a sword in his mouth. When he speaks, it comes to pass. When he speaks, his word is able to pierce the souls. His word is able to pierce our hearts. So he said that they should what? Repent. Because the word in his mouth, he can also speak judgment. So he came that if they don't stop, if they don't repent, judgment is awaiting them. Just like Balaam, when, when he was going to curse the Israelites and the angel appeared with a drawn sword. That was judgment against Balaam. And he went ahead and did his own tricks and caused the people to you know, sin against God. At, at the end, we see that he actually died. Not only did the people that, you know, listen to the people that were involved in the sin that died, but Balaam, the one who gave the counsel, also died. So the sword of judgment is awaiting anyone who doesn't repent but continue in this teaching of Balaam that is serving God and serving other gods. Hallelujah. And also with the meat offered to idols. Yes, recently we don't really see such. But then the meat offered to idols could also mean you being in the council of such people you listening to such people so you might go to a shrine you might go to a voodoo place and you going there and seeking counsel from them is sin we have people in the church that still go to the new age movement to seek counsel why god doesn't have wisdom that go to voodoo for so many things they have t- um um crystals to protect them and they engage themselves in oh this thing will help you that thing will help you and it's from this god and this is what it is these are all meats offered to idols so it's not necessarily you eating a meat offered to idols but you taking in their their counsel you listening to them you being in that company not i'm not saying you being maybe you go for a thanksgiving dinner or something and or someone of that sort is in your company that means that you are sinning no the fact that you are going to them for counsel the fact that you are involving yourself with such a person that is the sin that the sword of judgment is raised against if you do not repent so jesus tells them to repent otherwise he will come and fight against them with the sword of his mouth the rhema is that as the angel of the lord appeared before balaam with a drawn sword in numbers 22 verse 23 to 31 this represented pre-incarnate jesus who would come and judge the people severely even to the point of death come and say mercy when you look at the Balaam story, Moses commanded the judges of Israel to kill all who involved themselves with this sin. And even Balaam was killed. Numbers 25 verse 8. 
even Balaam was killed. Mercy. Mercy. Musho terebosha. We are praying for people around the world. People who are believers but still bowing down to other gods. People who are believers but still seeking counsel in new age stuff, in voodoo, and what have you. We are praying for them and may God deliver them. In the mighty name of Jesus, Masochere Shelesha, Zishena Masia Shatoya, Rasanda Rabasheta, we speak repentance into their spirit. Maleshenderia Shanta Rabavasita, Ramashete Rebosa, we speak the word of God to pierce their soul, their spirit, their bone, their marrow, to judge the attitudes of their heart. Mashaluaya Sandekeshendaria Shanda in the mighty name of jesus amen to the victorious in pergamum let's see it says revelation 2 17 to the one who is victorious i will give some of the hidden manna i will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it known only to the one who receives it. revelation 2 17 so to the people in these dark places that hold on to God's word and will not be involved in the sin of the Nicolaitans and Balaam, Jesus will give the hidden manna. This is in contrast to others who were eating of the banquet for the dead and enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. Hebrews 11 verse 25 Those who followed Balaam and the Nicolaitans would be disqualified from the race. Wow. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 27. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 9 27. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself would be a cast away this is paul talking that he keeps his body under subjection he he doesn't want to minister to people he doesn't want to live preach to others then at the end he himself will be a cast away he himself will be disqualified from the race because of certain things because he partook of things which he shouldn't have hallelujah somebody say mercy mercy so what is this hidden manner jesus said he will give the hidden manner the hidden manner refers to the manner in the ark of covenant in heaven revelations chapter 11 verse 19 exodus 16 verse 32 to 34 it also refers to the banquet we will have in heaven the people of israel at manna till the promised land in numbers 11 31 34 whenever they ate something else death by plague resulted numbers 25 1 1 corinthians 10 8 this refers to the glorious relationship we have with the mystery of christ redeemed there is now hidden manner within the heart of the overcomer so let's look at it this way when god told moses to build the ark he saw he he told him to build it with exact um 
dimensions and exact specifics in with specifics because it is what was exactly in heaven so he built it to the exact specification of what was in heaven so whatever is in the ark is literally is in the real ark which is in heaven because um, the things on the earth in the old testament you said they were a shadow of things to come so they were the ark on the earth was just a shadow and the heavenly one was the real one so whatever was in in the on the earth was is in the one in heaven so in the ark we have the hidden manna we, we spoke about the believers manna in one of our podcasts the way of the wilderness and the believers the israelites ate manna on their way to the promised land so in the ark is the hidden manna and the hidden manna is in the ark is in the holiest of holies so as believers when we come to christ we also partake of the holiest of holies first it was only the high priest that used to enter there but right now that we are in christ we enter we are in christ so when christ enters the holiest of holies we enter there with him i don't know if you understand we will go we will go deep into that in some time to come but just that, I just want you to know that we are able to enter God's presence through Christ. So when God sees us, He sees Jesus. So we are able to enter God's presence through Christ. And we enter into the holiest of holies to partake of the intimacy with God through Christ. And in the holiest of holies is the hidden manna. And the hidden manna refers to the glorious relationship we have with the mystery of Christ within the mystery of christ within us christ is within us he's in the mystery of christ dying and rising again delivering us the mystery of christ within that beautiful relationship refers to the hidden manner and so right now we can say that in the heart of every overcomer is now a hidden matter because we are now the temple of god we are the temple of the Lord. Our bodies are the temple of the Lord. And in our bodies is the Spirit. In our bodies, we can say we have the holiest of holies. God within us. God dwelling within us. And in the holiest of holies, in our temple, is the hidden manna. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So there is now a hidden manna in the hearts of every overcomer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah that is our glorious relationship we have with the mystery of Christ within and we see here that the Israelites ate manna to the promised land so we also that relationship we have with Christ we are taking part of it by eating that manna each day until we reach the promised land that is heaven the new heaven <laughs> hallelujah the new heaven the new earth that is it so we partake of the hidden manna we partake of that glorious relationship with Christ while on earth. And Jesus is saying that to everyone who is victorious, I will let him feast on the hidden manna. Everyone who is victorious, everyone who is victorious will feast on the hidden manna. And Jesus said that the fact that he also fights those who are not victorious, those who continue in their sin with a drum song, this also tells us that sin as i said sin brings plague sin brings plague so instead of them enjoying being at the banquet having relationship with god they will face death because sin is equal to death so they will have death i'm gonna say mercy 
mercy that's just by the way that's just by the way let's look at the white stone it says here and i'll give him a white shining stone a white shining stone when um in in history there's a lot of um significance of the white shining stone let's look at it before we actually look at the rima so um it was probably an illusion to the victor's name placed on a monument of white marble in contrast to the pagan mom granite placed around the gymnasiums of pergamum the athletic victors were afforded a special banquet revelation 19 verse 9 and also the ancient roman custom of awarding white stone to the victors of athletic games the winner of a contest was awarded a white stone with his name inscribed on it this served as his ticket to a special awards banquet according to this view jesus promises the overcomers entrance to the eternal victory celebration in heaven and the new name most likely refers to the Holy Spirit's work of conforming believers to the holiness of Christ. Romans 8.29 So Jesus said that he will give him a white shining stone and written upon the stone is inscribed his new name, known only to the one who receives it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So with the white stone, with the white stone, we see that there are personal mysteries imparted to god's people that is secrets that are between the believer and jesus so your relationship with jesus is unique your relationship with jesus is personal it's intimate like a bridegroom and a bride it is that intimate that is why jesus refers to the church as his bride that we are we are married to christ it is that intimate and even the meaning of pergamon elevated married Jesus is telling the church or showing the church that we are married to him. We have a relationship with him, an intimate relationship with him. Only someone devoted to God is to know the meaning of the shining white stone and the name written upon it. Listen to this carefully. In the first century AD, the white stone became an engagement stone. It later took on the form of an engagement ring with the white stone being represented as a diamond. A bridegroom would give his bride a white stone with the special name engraved upon it, a pet name of endearment as lovers for life. Such names could be embarrassing and thus were kept secret and used only between themselves. Only one person in the world could call a woman by the special name and that would be her husband, her beloved. So only the believer will know it. It represents the intimate relationship between the believer and Jesus, between us and Jesus, your personal relationship between you and Jesus. So only you will know it between the bridegroom and the bride. Or we can say the path crafted for the believer so being victorious on the journey god has given you that journey transforms you into christ and how you overcome that journey will be your new name hallelujah 
hallelujah how you overcome that journey would be your new name your new name wow such intimacy such intimacy so we see i think i read a book i don't know if it's just the planter's book or a joiner's book and he saw heaven and he saw john wesley and he was bow-legged literally he was bold like you think maybe when he went to heaven his legs would be straightened or something but that was his new name how he overcame the journey how he walked in life that was his name that was his that's his crown his bow leg hallelujah hallelujah so your intimate relationship with jesus God will give you a special mystery, a, a personal mystery, an intimate mystery representing you. That is, is between only you and God. And that is what will give you access to that special banquet in heaven. Wow, the victor's reward. Hallelujah. Moson terebosha, masay terebosa, rababashay terebosa, rababashayta, lozen terebosa, rababashayta, rababashay terebosa. How you overcome the journey will be your new name. Marende lebosa, ramamashayta, ramamashay terebosa, rababashayta, zonere mosa, ramamashayta, rememeka le mosay terebosa, mashay terebosa, ramamashayta, Mashita, Reke Noria Ramama Mashita. Oh Lord, give me a new name. Oh Lord, give me a new name. Masuntere Ashanti, Maron de Lebosa, Masinterebosha, Reke Baloya, Raiki Zunde Rashanda, Zemozam Mawua, Yakaba, Yakaba, Reke Zende Lebosa, Ramashanta, Loseke Ezanda, Zita de Bajanta, Namazun Terebosa. Oh Lord, give me a new name. Maron de Rebosha, Zindera Bashita. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 So let's look at the last church before we live here. Let's do the last church before we live here. And that's Tiatira or Tiatira. Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. Write to the write the following to the messenger of the congregation in Tiatira. For these are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Wow. Wow. What is the meaning of Tiatira? Tiatira means order of affliction or a continual sacrifice. Hallelujah. So what is Jesus telling us? That the church is to offer her body as a living sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing. This is our true and proper worship. Romans 12 verse 1. So we have to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. So daily we sacrifice for God. Daily. Daily. We, we are consecrated. Daily. Daily. Our true and proper worship. Our worship is not a slow song. It is how we live our lives. To please the Father. Hallelujah. So 
Jesus revealed himself as the Son of God. He said these are the words of the Son of God. Then he went on to say, Whose eyes are blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished brass. Hebrews 4 verse 14 Therefore since we have a great high priest who has gone to heaven Jesus the son of God Jesus the what son of God he is the son of God that is what differentiates us from other religions Some believe Jesus came some but then they have so many theories of who Jesus was. Oh, some say he's a prophet, he was a prophet, he was there, but he was a prophet. Some say he was this, he was that. But knowing Jesus and knowing something about him is not what will get you to heaven. Knowing and believing that he is what the Son of God, that is the way. <laughs> that is the way. That is the truth. That is the life. The way is that he is the son of God, God himself coming to die for you. That is the good news. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. God himself coming down to die for you. So Jesus is the son of God. That his eyes, his eyes are blazing fire or flames of fire jesus revealed himself as one who sees all and knows all nothing can be hidden from his sight hebrews 4 verse 13 there is not one person who can hide their thoughts from god nothing that we do remains a secret nothing created is concealed but everything is exposed and defenseless before his eyes to whom we must render our accounts. Wow. Wow. We can't hide from God. You can't hide from God. Our hearts are made bare. So while Jesus was on earth, he would prophesy or he would tell the people that why are you thinking this in your heart? To the Pharisees, to the people, why are you thinking this in your heart? Because he knew their thoughts. He knew their motives. Why do you have such a motive? Why do you keep these things in your heart? Because he knew the thoughts. He knew the heart. He knows. He is the son of God. He sees all. He knows all. So it's very funny when you try to hide from God. Or you try to conceal something from God. So God said, I come before the throne of grace that you may find grace and help in times of need. God never said that. He sees it, so when he sees it, you are condemned. He said that he sees it and he knows it, but he has given you grace that you can come to him with it and you will be saved. Come to me with it. You have this in your heart. Come to me. Maybe there's jealousy. Maybe there's something. Come to me with it. There are times where I start feeling some things in my heart. And I'm like, this thing is in my heart. Then I go to God and God, this is what I find in my heart. Please, please help me. And he works on us because our journey is to reach the promised land. And on the wilderness journey, God works on us. God refines us because what he's doing is that at the end we will reign. The work being done is for us to reign with him in eternity. He has to refine us. He has to nourish us. So that we can reign with him in eternity. Our spirit is already transformed. It's left with our souls. Our soulish realm. Our soulish realm, 
and he works on it while we are on the earth. So some people will say that, you know, I, I, I know I'm a believer, this world is hard, I wish that I'm already dead. And no, <laughs> stay here and be transformed, stay here and be renewed because there is work ahead. There are some books that or people that have said that they have gone to um, heaven or they've had visions of heaven and people are still learning, people are still in classrooms and they are being taught <laughs> because they didn't finish learning here. So while on earth, grow each day, learn as you can. Hallelujah. Because the goal is to reign. So come boldly before the throne of grace that you may find grace and help in time of need. Go before God. Allow him to help you. Hallelujah. And he said that his feet were like burnished brass. Brass is forged in flames and is also an emblem of judgment. Bronze is also considered holy. It was used in the tabernacle in Exodus 38 verse 10. Bronze symbolizes strength, stability, and purity. In Jeremiah 119, God told Jeremiah he will make him into a bronze wall, an iron pillar, a fortified city. That is God's will for us, to make you a bronze wall, an iron pillar, a fortified city, to make you immovable, unshakable. Jesus revealed himself as one who has been purified by what he endured, receiving divine authority, strength and power, which no hostile power can overcome. Wow. So Jesus has power. He has all the power. He has all the power. So he said in the book of John, before he died, he said that when I go, the enemy will come. But then he has no power over me <laughs> because I have all the power. So don't let, the don't let the devil lie to you. Don't let the devil lie to you that he has power over you. He doesn't have any power. He just uses tricks. He just uses tricks and fear. That's all. He has no power. He has no power over you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Jesus revealed himself as one who has been purified by what he endured, receiving divine authority, strength, and power. Hallelujah. So he revealing his feet were like burnished brass represents the fact that all he went through was like fire. 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 That he endured. And through that he received power. The image of refined and polished brass also conveys the idea of Jesus as a pure and sinless figure who has triumphed over the trials and tribulations of the world. Malachi chapter 4 verse 3 And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. In that day that I shall do this, said the Lord of hosts. You tread over the wicked, or you tread down the wicked so that they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. Hallelujah. So Jesus appearing with his feet like burnished brass meant that he also treads down the wicked. And the wicked is like ashes under the soles of his feet because there is fire <laughs> in his feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Jesus revealed himself as one who was about to incur judgment on the wicked by the burnished bronze. He will tread upon them and they will be ashes. And they will be ashes. They will be ashes. It also reminds me of or Paul and his people, they went to towns, they turned the towns upside down. That was them treading over the enemy or treading over the wicked in those towns. <laughs> they were wherever they went, they were also setting it on fire. They were setting it on fire for Jesus. So his feet also mean like burnished brands, means that wherever he goes, he sets fire. He sets fire. Revivals. He sets revivals. Movements. Hallelujah. And he does that through us because right now we are his representation on the earth. So I can say that you have the ability and power to tread down the way. You have the ability and power to, to start revival, to spark revivals, to spark movement on the earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what was the signification of the church of Tiatira or Tiatira? Revelation 2.19 I know all that you've done for me, your love and faith, your ministry and steadfast perseverance. In fact, you now excel in these virtues even more than at first. But I have this against you. You are forgiven that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is seducing my loving servant. She is teaching that it is permissible to indulge in sexual immorality and to eat food sacrifice to idols so the church of Tiatira, they signify people who do a lot for the lord they love the lord genuinely they have a strong faith in jesus they persevere through it all as they serve the lord these are people who live a life of sacrifice to the lord just as the name suggests order of affliction or a continual sacrifice these people love the lord these people genuinely offer sacrifice to the lord hallelujah but they tolerate the lies and the deception of the enemy their faith has been compromised or corrupted with the belief that they can love and serve god but still sin and not experience any consequence these are people with secret sins so with the church of pergamum we realize that it is the it was the societal values it was the societal values that caused them to um, do certain things it was their culture it was their culture that influenced them because you know that is how it was there was their culture it was their culture they were in satan's throne room or the place where they were worshiping gods and because of that they were eating food sacrificed to idols so this was culture that was influencing the kingdom and this also tell us that we should try we should try our culture by the kingdom culture try our culture by the kingdom culture while growing up you know there are certain things that people say oh it's okay to do it oh it's fine oh this is how it is done oh this is how we do it oh we've been doing this but why have you been doing this what purpose have you been doing it what was the reason why it started if you get the motive then you realize that 
you know it's not actually a good thing but because it has been done for a long time it has become the norm so you have to try culture by the kingdom culture try culture by the kingdom culture i don't know what is okay or cool for where you are but you have to try it by the kingdom culture if you try it by the word and it's a sin it's a sin it doesn't matter what people believe if you try it by the word and it's not okay it's not okay it doesn't matter how well you known and how everybody is pleased to do it and all that so that was their thing that was the thing that was culture influencing the kingdom but with the church of Tiatira, it was certain and um, belief systems certain people that were telling them that it was okay to love god and do still sin and you experience any consequence so these are people with secret sins so i can't remember um, a believer that told me that he was in a certain sin and while in that sin the devil will tell him that all other believers are also in that sin or all other believers also have their thing so everyone here you see someone preaching and stuff they they have something they are dealing with so it was okay for him to also deal with such things and because of that the person remained in the sin because of that lie that oh grace is available oh oh, what grace is available oh you can watch you can watch porn grace is available Oh, you can masturbate. Oh, grace is available. You know what other people are doing. That is the lie of the devil. That is the lie of the devil to entrap you and keep you in sin, which is detestable to God. So, these things, because of certain doctrines, certain teachings, they've told them that it is okay, but it is not okay. It is not okay. As I said, the devil has no power, but he just lies. He just lies to you, tricks, deception to keep you in things that will bring curses, that will open doors, that will curse yourself, that will bring condemnation. And in this church, the church of Tiatira, this happened because of this woman called Jezebel. I, I, I believe maybe there was a woman there at that time called Jezebel, or Jesus was just using this to symbolize something and that is the true thing the fact that he was using the name to symbolize something so Jezebel was king ahab's queen in first kings first kings chapter 16 verse 29 to 31 18 to 4 and this queen was immoral and she practiced idolatry she released into israel a spirit of darkness that hindered god's faithful ones by attempting to mix the worship of Baal with the worship of the true God, she becomes a symbol of a spirit of tolerance and compromise, which teaches that God's loving servant can sin and not experience any consequence. Someone say mercy, so they can sin and experience no consequence no consequence that is the lie of the devil to keep you in sin to keep you in sin so he tell you oh this is nothing oh everybody you know what people are suffering oh everybody is suffering oh then you are still in that sin i tell you the truth today it's not everybody that is suffering from what you are suffering 
the life of the believer is not the life of suffering sin of, of suffering from sin no Jesus's power is powerful enough to redeem you to redeem you his power his power is powerful enough to tread upon wickedness to tread upon lions and servants to save you from sin it said in scripture that he walked on the earth and he was sinless he was sinless he was pure and he's living in you so he can help you to be sinless and pure stop believing the lie of the enemy that you have to you know struggle with this maybe you've heard things that oh this pastor was struggling with this that woman was that doesn't mean they are oh they represent christ or they are all struggling with that let me say mercy mercy karasha tiara babalondi rabasheta rosin terebosa God's power is powerful enough to deliver you once and for all. When the scripture was talking about um, suffering and persecution, it wasn't talking about sin. It was talking about, you know, being persecuted literally by the world because you love God and you stand for God. It wasn't talking about sin. The word is powerful enough to redeem you, to heal you. So if you are having any secret sins, if you are having anything, just go to God boldly with it that God exposes. Once it is exposed, everything that is, is exposed from the um, is exposed from the darkness and brought into the light and make is redeemed. God exposes to redeem. God reveals to redeem. He doesn't reveal to condemn you. So what the enemy does is that oh he will tell you these lies and continue to keep you in your sin then when you are praying or you are doing something good for god something amazing then he will kill your spirit or he will break your spirit by telling you that aren't you the one who did this aren't you the one who did that and you think you are here who how dare you think you can do this for god when you did this yesterday when you did that yesterday meanwhile he's the same person that tempted you and he's the person the same person that told told you to stay in your sin so because of that, you can't really go far. Because of that, you are constantly being um, having guilt. And you can't really, you know, eat of the, the, the fruits or eat of the, the, the blessings and enjoy, you know, the blessings that God has for us in his kingdom because these things are limiting you. Mercy. Mercy. So go to God with it. God, I did this. God, I did that. I, I there was a time I did that. God, this is what I did. This is what I did. This is what I did. Please, I've exposed this. Please help me. God knows you can't do it on your own. God knows you can't help yourself. That's how come you have tried, or that's why you have tried and it's not working. So go to God with it. Pray about it. Seek God on it, and He will give you the wisdom on how to deal with it. He will break that power from you amen your spirit has already been renewed you're already clean it's just left with your mind your mindset that sinful nature is already removed it's just your soulish realm that needs to be re- renewed your mindset that needs to be renewed that's how come you that's why you need the word to wash you to wash you to constantly wash you as you become like Christ hallelujah so go to God with it don't hide it when it is hidden it grows expose it and be redeemed if you need it sometimes if you need to talk to someone that you trust God fearing you can talk to the person 
let the person pray for you hallelujah 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 god will never condemn you god will never condemn you but god will expose to redeem you god will convict you you if, if god even convicts you he doesn't convict you of what you have done you did this yesterday you did that yesterday no god will never say that but god will say that you are better you are not this this is who you are god will show you who you truly are god doesn't condemn he convicts he shows you who you are he shows you what you can be he shows you what he has made you to be hallelujah hallelujah you are pure you are holy believe it you are pure you are holy you are righteous because it's a gift he has given it to you amen and he will help you hallelujah hallelujah so what is jesus's judgment jesus's judgment he said here that i have waited for her to repent from her vow immorality but she willingly refuses to do so now i will lay her low with terrible distress along with all her adulterous partners if they do not repent hallelujah hallelujah so yes then all the congregations will realize that i am the one who thoroughly searches the most secret thought so as i said Tiatira was known as the center of many guilds or trade societies that required their members to participate in idolatry often involving sexual immorality this will make it difficult for believers to remain morally pure in an immoral and idolatrous culture so we can say it's the same as pergamon it's the same as pergamon the society and culture influencing the kingdom culture so the end result of sin is death Jesus warns them that if they do not stop being adulterous, worshipping other gods, the idols could be money, sexual immorality, or other things, sinning, they will die or be inflicted with deadly plagues or disease. As I said earlier, Jesus reveals that he is the guardian of our souls who sees our very emotions or thoughts therefore he sees the sins and wickedness done in secret and will punish it accordingly jesus giving each one the works they deserve doesn't necessarily refer to what you do in the house of god but what you do in the whole your moral uprightness your lifestyle as a believer both in secret and in the open said i will give to each one what they deserve their works deserve it refers to your moral uprightness not what you did for god but who you are for god (laughs) not what you did for god but who you are for god who are you for god who are you for god that is what god will reward you with that is what god will reward you with hallelujah somebody say mercy <laughs> mercy and to the victorious in Tiatira, it says cling tightly to all that you have until i appear 
to everyone who is victorious and continues to do my works to the very end i will give you authority over the nations to shepherd them with a royal scepter and the rebellious shattered as clay pots no say terebosa, mashe terebosa, mashe terebosa, la mahandiara babashete, mezon de rebosha na mamashetam, mezon de rebosa rababasheta, resun terebosa rababashete terebosa, mashe terebosa, maria la mashe terebosa, rama mashe terebosa na mamashetam, mezon de rebosa rababashete terebosa, rababashete rebosa rababasheta, lo zen de rebosa. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So those who cling tightly to all that they have to Jesus' to Jesus appears. Or let's say to those who hold their crown. To those who hold their crown. Hallelujah. Jesus said that He will give them authority. He will give them authority. Jesus said that he will give them authority. Jesus, Jesus advises the overcomers to take into power what they have until he appears. What do they have? What they have is their perseverance. What they have is their love. That is what they should cling tightly. Their crown. Their crown. Their holiness. Them staying in holiness. Walking in righteousness. They should cling tightly to what they have till Jesus appears to the victorious jesus said he will give them the power to govern the nations with a staff made of iron psalm 2 verse 9 says and you will shepherd them with unlimited authority crushing their rebellion as an iron rod that which is a which represents a power of spiritual truth which smashes jars of clay so those who are victorious jesus will give them power to shepherd the nations to reign in the nations and they will reign in the nations by crushing by crushing them or smashing the jars of clay they will have truth the iron rod that jesus gives them will be the truth the royal scepter is the light that jesus gives them is the power and authority that jesus gives them so that they'll be able to minister they'll be able to reach the world for christ hallelujah this is what Jesus is saying to us now. Hallelujah. So, even as I also received authority from the presence of my Father, I will give the morning star to the one who experiences victory. So, the one whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is presently saying. Hallelujah. So, Jesus said in his word that he will give the morning star to the one who experiences victory the morning star what is jesus talking about here jesus shares with every conqueror his own rank before the father and will participate in his eternal reign and the morning star represents jesus himself jesus is the morning star jesus is the light of the world so as jesus rises in our hearts as Jesus lights up in our heart, we receive illumination. Hallelujah. So Jesus is saying that to the victorious, I will give myself to you as a, as a reward. Take, take, take myself as a reward. I am enough of a reward for you. 
The morning star also means the light bearer. So it is also an eternal promise of Jesus' light and power subduing our hearts as Christ rises within us like the dawning of a new day and like the morning star. So Christ rises within us and as he rises, he illuminates us. He illuminates us and darkness is away. He illuminates us and we are renewed. Our minds are renewed. He illuminates us and we are washed. He rises within us and we become like him, his very image. Hallelujah. The dawn conquers the night. And the morning star promises the new day appearing. The new day is us becoming like Christ. The new day is us living in eternity. The new day is a day of light, a day of illumination, a day where we live as kingdom citizens, as sons and daughters of the Most High God. The scripture says that creation awaits the sons of God to rise. Creation is awaiting us. Creation is awaiting us. So as the morning star rises in our hearts, we become like Christ. We take our authority, our place, where God instated for us. Hallelujah. Our dominion, we take it back. Hallelujah. said, anyone who opens his heart will hear what the Spirit is saying. Literally, you listen or read the book of Revelations with your heart, with the Spirit. So when you read the book of Revelations, open your heart. When you read the Bible as a whole, open your heart. Allow the Spirit to speak to you. Allow the Spirit to teach you. Allow the Spirit to minister to you. Don't read it carnally. Don't read it theoretically. Read it with the Spirit. Read it as the morning star rises in your heart. I will give you the morning star. Thank you, Jesus, for the morning star. Makunde rebo shadia rababa reke mo salama sheita. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Masun terebosa that is nourishing us, that is impacting us, that is refining us. In the mighty name of Jesus, marun terebosa. Thank you that we are transforming. Thank you that our minds are being renewed. Mashay terebosa. Thank you for the work you are doing in our hearts. Mashay terebosa. Thank you for your word as sweet as honey. We did eat it, Terebosa, and it is sweet in our mouth. Thank you, O Lord, for your light illuminating your word. Thank you, O Lord, that we can behold you and become. Thank you that you are washing us with the word, and we are growing. Rama mama ma thank you that you are speaking to us oh karababa sheiterebosa you are working on us individually marama sheiterebosa rama ma sheita oh lord we bless your name we give you praise we give you honor we love you we adore you you are beautiful to us thank you father in jesus name amen